Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. We've got a lot to go over tonight. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. Now, we entitled this message in the form of a question. And that question was, has the Holy Spirit become taboo to you? Amen? And once again, the reason I use the word taboo, because the word taboo, it means something has become improper. Has the Holy Ghost become improper? That word taboo also means unacceptable. Has your relationship with the Holy Spirit become unacceptable? Come on. It also means prohibited or banned. Has the Holy Spirit become prohibited or banned from part of your Christian life? Come on. Have you banned him from being the unseen partner that's responsible for causing your mission to be successful? Come on, are you with me out there? Come on, has the Holy Spirit been forbidden in your life or excluded from use or practice in your life? Once again, the reason I ask this is because a lot of people don't consider the Holy Spirit in the things that they do. Let me say it again. A lot of people don't, what? Consider the Holy Spirit in the things that they do. Somehow people have come to believe that they are the source of their own prosperity and they're the source of their own success. And once again, the Holy Spirit is not a feeling. And he's not an it. Come on, he is a person. And he is, he, he, is, he is as real as a person to that person sitting beside you right now. And once again, your mission to being successful and you being able to, go to complete what God has put in your life to do or complete is going to be based on you reigniting this relationship with the Holy Spirit. Somebody say Holy Spirit. He's got to become real to you in every way. Come on, we got to learn how to what? Rest and trust in the relationship with the who? With the who? Holy Spirit. Why? He is the administrator of grace. He is the one that is responsible for bringing into manifestation the things that have already been done. Come on, are you with me out here? Come on, yes, we know he's part of the Trinity. We know we have God the Father, God the Son, but we also have God the who? God the Holy Spirit. But he's not the least, but he's, because he's at the bottom. Matter of fact, look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 2 real quick. The Holy Ghost is God. Amen. Somebody say he's God. Amen. As a matter of fact, he's mentioned right here in verse 2 of Genesis chapter 1, at the beginning of the book. And the earth was what? With what? Without form and what? Void and what? Darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the what? Face of the waters. Why? Because he's responsible for administrating the manifestations of the word of God. Let me say that again. Listen to me closely. Because he's responsible for administrating the manifestations of the word of God. Let me say that one more time. This is not just a little sentence. Come on. You got to get this. He's responsible of administrating the manifestations of the word of God that you're believing for. Come on, you with me out here. And to limit him to a jump or to limit him for a wig or a feeling, come on, say amen, buddy, it's not proper because he's God. Amen. Somebody say he's God. He's a person. Say he's a person. He's a person. 
And he has some things that he wants to do with you this year if you will let him. If you will what? Let him. Once again, there are some things that are about to be accomplished in your life, in your atmosphere, in your relationships, if you will come to understand who he is. Tell your neighbor, you've got to come to understand who he is. If you will not only acknowledge him, but walk in a level of honor with him as to trust him no matter what is going on in your life. Are you listening to me? Well, look at 2 Corinthians 5, 5, 3, verse 17. Let's continue to where we left off last week. If you need, you need to get last week's CD so you can go over all the things I went over last Wednesday. Amen? It was a lot of information. Now, come on, say amen, somebody. But we're going to carry on from what we left off last week. 2 Corinthians 3, 17 says... Now, the Lord is that spirit. Now, I want you to pay attention today. Tell your neighbor, pay attention today. I said, now, the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Liberty. Liberty. Now, all of us have heard this before. Sometimes we quote it when we're getting spiritual. Come on, say amen, somebody. Now, some translations say where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Amen? Now, when we read this, we have to be careful of not taking this scripture out of context or ignore how the scripture is being used in its proper context. I should have some Bible students in here somewhere. Amen? Tell your neighbor, you can't do it. See, the more you take a scripture and just pick it out, and ignore the place where it is found, you're not going to get the full picture. So it says here, now the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Liberty. Well, let's look at this verse and see how it fits within the context of how it's being used. Are you following me? Come on, are you following me? Come on, this is Bible study night. Come on, say amen, somebody. Are you following me? Amen. So let's, let's first answer the question of where is the Spirit of the Lord? We'll go to Psalms 139, verse 7. Psalms 139, verse 7. Let's find out where the Spirit of the Lord is. What's he say here? He said, Whither shall I go from thy spirit? From thy what? Spirit. Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the othermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall what? Hold me. So, based on what we just read, come on, where's the Spirit of the Lord? He's where? 
He's everywhere. Somebody say everywhere. everywhere. Well, going back to 2 Corinthians 3.17, the scripture says, now the spirit, spirit, now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Liberty. So the question is, are we to assume that since the spirit of the Lord is everywhere, that freedom is everywhere? You had the right answer. <laughs> we know from society today that freedom and liberty is not everywhere. Hello? There are a lot of places where freedom and liberty is not there. But the Spirit of the Lord is there. Oh, come on. Say amen, somebody. And this is what he's saying here because the word, the word Lord is defined. The word Lord is defined as supreme in authority. Let me say it again. The word Lord is defined as supreme in authority. So where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Where he is not Lord, there is not. Are you with me out here? Where he is supreme in authority. Where, he's, he, where, where he is what? Supreme and an authority. Listen, that's not even the issue here. He says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Liberty. The question is precisely, freedom from what? Liberated from what? Emancipated from what? So the question is, what does that mean? Come on, say amen, somebody. If the Spirit of the Lord is there, I can just dance in my church and freely. That's what it is? I can just dance around freely? Come on. Don't you think it's got to be more than that? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom, so I'm able to run around this church seven times? Come on, it's got to be more than that. Tell your neighbor, it's got to be more than that. Why? What we're doing, we're reducing him back down to an it or a thing or, or a feeling or an emotion. And it's got to be more than that. Tell your neighbor, it's got to be more than that. So you have people who don't even know what that means. And they say, well, the Spirit of the Lord is here. Or they'll say, he's not there. Well, the question is, why is the Spirit of the Lord not there? Oh, because they won't let me speak in tongues when I want to speak in tongues. Is that what he's talking about? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? There is what? Liberty to do what you want to do. See, freedom... Is not liberty to do what you want to do, folks. Let me say it again. Freedom is not liberty to do what you want to do. Our society would be jacked up if freedom was to do what you want to do. Come on, say amen, somebody. Some people do think that in society today. So once again, the question is, what is he talking about? See, in order to find out what he's really talking about, remember I talked about context. We got to back all the way up to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5. 
And then we'll read all the way down to verse 17. Because it's people who understand that grace is being made available, but they don't know how it's going to be accomplished, folks. And somehow you think it's, going, it's, 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 it's you that's going to accomplish that. Look what it says here, verse 5. Read it closely now, and we're going to read it slowly. Not that we have sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. How many people would agree with that? That our sufficiency is of who? Our sufficiency is of who? Of God. Well, let's read it from an Amplified translation. Amplified Bible reads, not that we are fit, qualified, or sufficient in ability of ourselves to form personal judgment or to claim or count anything as coming from us. But our power and ability and sufficiency are from who? Are from who? From God. Well, look at verse 6. Who also has made us, who also has made us able ministers of the New Testament. Not of the letter, but of the, but of the Spirit. For the letter does what? Kill up, but the Spirit give it what? Life. So the same God that has given us the ability and sufficiency to do all things, we can do it because why? We know that the sufficiency that we have is not of us, but of him. Somebody say of him. But it says that he has also made us able ministers of this new covenant. Of this New Testament. He says, I made you able. Ain't that what he says? I made you what? Able. The same Spirit of God. The sufficiency that comes from the Holy Spirit. He's the one. He's the same one that has made you able and sufficient. To min- sufficient to what? To minister of this new covenant or New Testament. Come on, say he has done it. And then he goes on to say, not of the letter of a legal written code, but of the what? But of the what? Spirit, for the letter does what? For the letter killeth, but the spirit giveth what? Giveth what? Giveth life. Now in this, you're going to see him trying to convince you. That the power is not in a piece of stone with writing on it. Are you with me out here? But that he's a real person. And you're about to see a comparison between the stone with the writing on it. And the real person of the Holy Ghost who will enable you and give you the sufficiency that you need. That you would, let's say, that you couldn't get with a piece of stone with writing on it. You got that? Or do I need to say it again? I guess you got it. Well, go with me to 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8. Once again, you're about to see a comparison 
between the stone with writing on it and the real person of the Holy Ghost who will enable you and give you the sufficiency you need that you couldn't get with a piece of stone with writing on it. 1 Timothy 1.8. But I want you to keep a marker in 2 Corinthians because we're coming back there. Understand that the law has a place today. The law has a place today. And it still does something. And it still does something. Well, let's see what it does. Verse 8. It says, but we know that the law is good. If a man use it what? Lawfully. Or if you use it for the purpose of which it was sent. Listen to what he says here. Verse 9. Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient. For the ungodly and for sinners, for unholy and profane, for murders of fathers, murders of mothers, for manslayers, for whoremongers. For them that defile themselves with mankind, for men stealers, for liars, for perjured persons. And if there be any other thing that is contrary to what? Sound doctrine. So the law still has a purpose in the earth for people who are still living by their own sufficiency. For people who are trying to do what they do. Come on. For those who have not come to the end of themselves. For those who are still on their own self-effort. Come on. And for their work to qualify before God. It's still in force for those who have not yet received Jesus and his blood and what has already been done in the law. For them people, the law is still in place. What does it say? Look at the list. The law is still in place. For what? The lawless. The law is still in place for the disobedient. The law is still in place for the ungodly for the sinners, for the unholy, for the profane, for the murders of fathers, the murders of mothers, the murders of, of, or, or for manslayers. The law is still in force for the whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for men stealers, for liars, for perjured person, for those, you know, for and if there be anything that's contrary to the sound of God, listen, the law is still in force for those people. So the law still has a place. But it says here, it's not made for a righteous man. Somebody should have shouted hallelujah or something. It says it's not made for what? Righteous man. It's not for the righteous. And see, everyone is still questioning. Now that I'm born again, do I still need to abide by the things of the law? And what you don't understand is that the living holy God will take care of all that, folks. And what he'll do, he'll write it on the tablets of your heart so you can follow a real person and not the writing on stone. 
Come on, are you with me out here? Go back to 2 Corinthians 3, 7. Are you following me so far? Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7. For it says, But if the ministration of death, written and engraven in what? Stones. Written and engraven in what? Stones. Written and engraven in what? Stones. Well, what was written and engraven in stones? The ten. Don't, yeah, you, you got to be afraid. You're not in one of those churches. You, you can say it freely. The what? <laughs> like y'all was afraid to say it. Amen. That's what he's talking about. The ten what? Commandments. But he says, but if the ministration of death, written and engraved in what? Stones. And that's exactly what the Ten Commandments was given for. To bring to death to yourself. To bring you to the end of yourself. To bring you to the, to the end of you trusting your sufficiency. And not being open to the sufficiency that comes from him. Come on, are you with me out here? Look at what he says here. But if the ministration of death, written and written and engraven in what stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory has been done away. Now he said it was glorious. Somebody say it was glorious. Now, for what it was sent to do, this thing has so much glory. It has so much splendor on it that the beneficiaries were not able to steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away with or fade away or, to, or it has passed away. Somebody say it's passed away. So he's, what's he doing? So he's comparing dispensations. And again, he's remember I went over dispensation Sunday. He's comparing what dispensation. So he's saying under that dispensation, it was awesome. Somebody say it was awesome. It did what it was called to do in that dispensation. Are we in that dispensation? No. But he says now. There's another one we have to look at. Look at verse 8. He says, How shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather what? Be rather what? Be rather what? Be rather what? Glorious. Let me read that from the Amplified Translation. It says, Why should not the dispensation of the Spirit this spiritual ministry whose task it is to cause men to obtain and to be governed by the who? By the who? By the who? Holy Spirit be attended with much greater and more splendid glory. Understand this, that's his task, folks. His task is to cause men to be governed by the Holy Spirit. Oh, with me out here. The ministration of the Spirit is to cause men to be what? Governed by the who? By who? Holy Spirit. And see, we're concerned about, some people are, maybe not you, but people are concerned about if you throw away the law, you're going to be acting bad. 
You don't understand. If you have the Holy Spirit, you're going to go to a level you could have never achieved under the law. Oh, come on with me out here. See, you think by leaving this, you're just acting, you, you, you're just going to act like a fool. Not understanding the Holy Spirit will usher the fool out of you. Come on, are you with me out here? Look at verse 9. For if the ministration of what? Condemnation. He calls the Ten Commandments the ministration of what? He calls it what? The ministration of what? Condemnation. Be glory. It says much more does the ministration of what? Righteousness exceed in glory. In other words, he says the service that makes righteousness the ministry that produces and fosters righteousness, living in right standing of God, this is what the Spirit will do. Amen. Tell your neighbor, this is what the Spirit will do. Look at what the Amplified Bible says in it. It says it got it again. Verse 9, Amplified. It says, For if the service that condemns the ministration of doom had glory, how infinitely more abounding in splendor and glory must be the service that makes righteous the ministry that produces and fosters righteous living and right standing with God. Who do you think it is that's going to foster the ministry of righteousness? Somebody say the Holy Spirit. It's not going to be your great willpower. Have you found that out yet? Come on. It's not going to be your great discipline plan. Have you found that out yet? It's going to be your relationship with the Holy Spirit that's going to cause you to be able to walk and carry yourself in that way. What's it going to be? Your what? Your what? Thank you. Relationship. Not the Holy Your relationship with the Holy Somebody say your relationship with the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 10. For even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect by reason of the what? Glory that excelleth. See, the ministry of the Holy Spirit has so excelled the glory that was on the law that it kind of moved it out of the way because why? Its glory excelled to such a point. Come on, going too fast for y'all. Come on, y'all got this, okay? Look at the Amplified Bible again. Read Amplified. It says, indeed, in view of this fact, what once had splendor, the glory of the law in the face of Moses has come to have no splendor at all because of the what? Overwhelming glory that exceeds and excels at the glory of the gospel in the face of Jesus Christ. Somebody says hallelujah. Verse 11, King James. 
For if that which is done away was, way was glorious, much more that which what? That which what? Remaineth is glorious. See, we talk about what Elijah did. We talk about what Moses did. And we talk about what all those mighty men and women of God in the Old Testament did. And that was before they had the benefit of what we have right now. I'm talking about the benefit of having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Come on, a relationship with the Holy Spirit where we can look him face, look at him face to face. Are you with me out here? We can look at him face to face and experience his splendor. And that's what we're headed for. Before the end of this year. I'm glad about one person got excited. Both of y'all still trying to figure out what I said. That's what we're headed for. The ultimate of your relationship with the Holy Spirit. Listen, will be made known to mankind. And people will, people will look at you and wonder, how did they do this? How did they get here? How did they get, how did they get that position? And you have nothing to say, but it's the Lord's doing. And it's marvelous in his eyes. Oh, come on, say amen, somebody. Listen, because why? The Holy Spirit is the administrator of grace. Somebody say Holy Spirit. Everything that has been made available to us by the blood of Jesus. Everything that's already been, been, listen, been done for us. If you will recognize and begin to be sensitive to the relationship you have with the Holy Spirit. Like he moved on the face of the water and brought all the creation into manifestation. He will begin to move in your life and every promise you stand on and every promise you believe, the administrator of the Holy Ghost will show up and cause it to come to pass in your life. Are you listening to me tonight? Look at verse 12. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of what? Speech. Amplified Bible reads, Since we have such glorious hope, such joyful and confident expectation. Hashek, anybody have joyful and confident expectation? We speak very freely and openly and what? Fearlessly. Verse 13. And not as Moses was put a veil over his face that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which, which is abolished. Amplify says, nor do we act like Moses who put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze upon the finish of the vanishing splendor which had 
been upon him. You don't realize that was a smart leadership move. What was it? To cover your face up so that those who are following you won't see the glory leaving you. Because they might not follow you if they see the glory leaving you. Look at, look at, let me read that from the Amplified. Verse 14. In fact, their minds were, were grown hard and callous. They had become dull and had lost the power of understanding. For until this present day, when the Old Testament, the Old Covenant is being read, that same veil still lies on their hearts. Not being lifted to reveal that it's what? That in Christ, it is made what? It is made what? In Christ, it is made what? Void and done away. See, until this day, you still read the Old Testament with the thought about you got to do what you got to do in order to make something happen. Yeah, people that really still believe, I had to be good in order for God to be good to me. That if I'm not good, then God won't be good to me. And see, God is not good to you because you're good. God is good to you because God is good. <laughs> Come on, say amen, somebody. Now, just listen to me closely now. We have made sin the central issue of the Christian life to such a point that it is affecting us believing that Jesus has taken care of it already. Sin is not an issue with God. Why? Why isn't sin an issue with God? Some of y'all look at me like, why is sin? God hates sin. Sin is not an issue with God because why? It is already, he already dealt with sin. Come on. He dealt with it once and for all. Hebrews 7.27. Let's read it. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 27. It says, Who needed not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice, first for his own sins and then for the people, for the people, for he did this once. He did once when he what? Offered himself. He took care of it once and for all. Look at Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28. Hebrews 9, 28, so Christ was, was once offered. How many times? How many times does he got to do it again? Once offered to bear the sins of many, unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto what? Salvation. See, all your sins, past, present, and future, have been placed on the body of Jesus Christ. It's a done deal. It's been taken care of. The blood of Jesus is already taken care of it. Matter of fact, look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26, where people often misquote and misunderstand. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26. It says, For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, 
there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin. So you read that again. For if we sin willfully, after that, we have received the knowledge of the truth. There remaineth no, no more sacrifice for what sin. See, the willful sin is not believing what Jesus has already done for you. Let me say it again. Read it again. For if we sin willfully, after that we receive the knowledge of the truth, there remained no more what? Sacrifice for sin. The willful sin is not believing what Jesus has already done for you. And the truth is that Jesus has taken on your sin, died for your sins, got rid of your sin, and he's the only sacrifice that remains. All that other stuff won't work anymore. The blood of bulls and goats. Come on, say amen, somebody. Now, somebody might say, well, that doesn't mean if you sin willfully. Understand this. Every sin is willful. Say it again. Every sin is willful. All sin is willful. Say it again. All sin is willful. Somebody say willful. Wow. Wow. I'm in bed with a woman I'm not married to. How did I get in this bed? And where are my clothes? And who is this with me? You know you had some of those days. Come on. My, my, you just never know. Yes, you do. Tell your neighbor, yes, you do. Why? Because all sin is an act of your will. Let me say it again. All sin is an act of your will. What happened? You heard the truth about what Jesus did and what his blood did. And his sins was put on his body and how he carried it all for you. But if you choose not to believe it, the willful sin is unbelief and you'll find yourself in the bed again. <laughs> Hallelujah. I get a lot of amens. So maybe I did an altar call or something. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Look at verse 15. 2 Corinthians 3.15. Go back to 2 Corinthians 3.15. <laughs> Glory to God. That was a low amen. He don't worship. It says, but even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. The veil is upon their heart. We see that with, with big denominations today. The veil is still on their heart. Then he says, verse 16, nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, when their what? Their heart turns to the Lord. The veil shall be what? Taken away. In other words, he said, when repentance takes place, when a change of heart and a change of mind, Literally, to change the mind, then the veil, listen, literally, when you change your mind, then the veil is taken away. Yeah. 
Somebody said veil is taken away. When you what? When you change your mind. Then it goes to say, verse 17. Now the spirit of the Lord, spirit, now the Lord is that spirit. Now the Lord is that spirit. Now the Lord is that spirit. Now do you see what he's been talking about? Come on, do you see what he's been talking about? Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Liberty. There's freedom. There's emancipation from the law. Where he is Lord, there is an administration. Listen, where he is Lord, there is an emancipation from the law. Where he is Lord, there's freedom from the law. Where he is what? Where he's in supreme authority. Come on, are you with me out here? Where he is what? Lord. Why? Because those who are led by the Spirit are not under the law. Look at verse 18. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from what? Glory to glory, even as by. By who? By the Spirit of the what? Lord. What's happening? What's he saying here? The Holy Ghost is responsible for bringing about this change in you. Somebody say the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost has accepted responsibility to bring about this change, folks. For who? For those who have changed their mind. Come on. For those who have changed their way of thinking. And those who have repented. Come on, are you with me out here? I'm talking about those who have come to believe that this is not just a piece of stone with some writing on it. But this is a real person. This is the person of the who? The Holy Spirit who is responsible. And will be responsible for the change that takes place in you. And see, you've been so busy trying to change yourself. That you don't recognize that you're stepping in a place where the Holy Spirit is. He will change you. Turn to He will change you. He knows how to change you better than you know how to change yourself. And there's no use to you pretending like you change. And then you perfect holiness... Or should I say, let's use another word, you perfect phoniness when you're around everybody else. Oh, come on, say amen, somebody. Now, it looks like you chained on the outside. But on the inside, it's either the same or worse because you have appointed yourself to be the administrator of the change instead of the Holy Spirit. Oh, come on, are you with me out here? Why? Because when the Holy Spirit changes you, he's going to change you deep from inside all the way out. Somebody say all the way out. And that's the problem with the church right now. Understand this. 
this generation, this generation, mostly these young people in here, this generation will not tolerate phony people Amen. preaching their fables. Amen. Am I right or wrong? Amen. Young people, am I right or wrong? Amen. They won't tolerate it. Tell your neighbor, they won't tolerate it. Why? Because I want something real. Come on. I want something genuine. I want something authentic. Come on, say amen, somebody. I want my life to be changed where the taste is not there anymore. And I don't even know what happened to it. Come on, say amen, somebody. Except my trust is in the Holy Spirit. He took it. He took it away from me, and I don't have to put another face when I don't have to put on another face when people come around me. I don't have to be phony. Because what you see is what you get. I'm talking about genuine change by the Holy Spirit. Come on, are you getting anything out of this yet? But the question comes back to, how is he going to do that? How is he going to do that? Because think about it. He can reveal your mission. And then you not even want to do it. Have you ever had the Lord show you something and you not even want to do it? Come on, some of you school ministry students, you know. That's why you need the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. Because why? He can give you the want to. Go to Psalms 37 4. Come on, he can give you the what? He can give you the want to. <clears throat> Psalm 37 4. I'm going slow because I want you to get this. Come on. Psalm 37 4. He says, Delight thyself also in what? In the Lord, and he shall give thee the what? The desires of thy heart. Now, most people believe this to mean, give him your list, and then delight yourself in him, and you'll get what's on your list. And I have to tell you, the Holy Ghost is not Santa Claus. But sometimes we treat him like that. Oh, come on, say amen, somebody. The word delight means pliable in the hands of God. Pliable what? In the hands of God. But when you get down to the real bottom line, it means to come to know him and to receive him. To come to what? Know him and to what? Receive him. Have you come to know him and receive him? Look at John 5, 41. Because it talks about Jesus, it talks about Jesus where honor is concerned. John chapter 5, verse 41. Notice what he says here. I receive not honor from men. Verse 41. But I know you that you have not the love of God in you. He's saying, This is what I know about you. This is what I know about you. 
And the next verse says, for I am come in my Father's name, and you receive me not. In other words, I know you, but you don't know me. You haven't received me. Amen? If another shall come in his own name, him you will receive. Then he goes on to talk about the honor that comes from God only. But go back to Psalms 37, 4. Psalms 37, 4. Once again, he said, delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee what? The desires of thy heart. Listen to me closely. The desires of our heart are shaped and created in our accord with our delight in him. Let me say that again. The desires of our heart are shaped and created in accord with our delight in him. In other words, delight doesn't cause desire. Delight shapes desire. Let me say that again because some of y'all still looking at me like, what did he say here? He said, delight thyself also in the Lord. He shall give thee the what? Desires of the heart. The desires of our heart are shaped and created in accord with our delight in him. In other words, delight doesn't cause desire. Delight shapes desire. In other words, it's not going to, it's, listen, it's not going to be you giving God your Christmas list. Say it again. It's not you going to God with your what? Christmas lip. It's, it's, it's you going to God out of a relationship that you come to know about him. You come to know what Jesus has done. You come to know what's been made available. You come to know all these things that are yours, and that's what shapes your desire. Now you're not asking for something foolish. Your desires have been shaped through an ongoing relationship with the Holy Spirit. And that's and that pliable thing moving and molding you after his will. Let me say it again. And that's that pliable thing moving and molding you after his will. Look at John 15, 7. This is an excellent illustration. John 15, 7. This is an excellent illustration. John 15, 7 says, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be what? It shall be what? Done unto you. Same thing. You spending time with that word. You spending time with that word. That word's in you. And you're in that word. That word's word in you. And you're in that word. What does it do? That word begins to shape your asking. Come on, are you understanding this? Your asking is going to be, it's going to shape, be shaped in line with that word You've been spending time with. Let me say it again. Your asking is going to be shaped in line with that word that you have been spending what? 
time in. Why? Because whatever you spend time with, that's going to shape your desire. That could be good or bad. Amen? It's going to shape your asking. It's going to what? But if you spend time in that word, and you spend time in fellowship with the Holy Spirit, and you spend time with Jesus, and you begin to see what he's done for you, and you begin to see what he has allowed to be made available to you, it begins to shape your asking. Do you know what really grieves the Holy Spirit? What grieves the Holy Spirit is when we accept the lesser when he has the better. That grieves him. Tell your neighbor that grieves him. Come on. We accept something that we got with our own ability and our own power and he has something so much greater. Ah, but we're afraid to trust him. But we're afraid to trust him. But we're afraid to trust him. We're, we're still afraid to trust him with our tithe. And you got to get to a place in your life where you draw the line. That I'm going to honor God with my 10% even if they turn the lights off in my house. Even if they possess my car. Take my house. I'm not going to use this 10% to take care of me. I'm going to use it to take care of somebody else. Come on, are you with me out here? And when you do that, you will see the Spirit of God move in ways and manifesting things. Because why? Because you're trusting Him now. You're what? Trusting Him. And it's not the issue of money as it is an issue of you trusting Him with it. Look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. Some of you should be excited that you don't have to put any more pressure on yourself to make it happen. It's all on God. It's all on God. Tell your neighbor, it's all on God. Come on. If I just walk with him, if I just trust him, if I keep my peace, come on, say amen, somebody. Why? Listen to this. What? Ever has cost you your peace is too expensive. <laughs> let, me, let me say it again. Whatever has cost you your peace is too what? Expensive. You got to keep your peace. Tell you you got to keep your peace. But look at this now. Look at this now. For it is God. Who worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. The living, New Living Translation reads it this way. For God is working in you. Giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Please understand. It's God who's giving you the desire. It's God who's what? Giving you desire. Listen, I don't want to be talking to God in prayer, talking about him about my Christmas list. Yeah. 
Come on. I want to spend time with him saying, Lord, I'm open for your desires. Lord, I'm what? What would you like to take place today? Come on, say amen, somebody. Come on, he's saying, I'll give you the want to when you don't have the want to. In fact, he said, I'll give you new want to's. He said, I can show you your mission, but you might not want to do it at the time. But I can show you your mission, and then you trust me to give you the want to to do it. (laughs) And not only will I change you and give you the want to, but then I'll give you the power to get the job done. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me today. See, power is the ability to get results. He said, I'll give you the power to get it done, folks. God will give you the want to and then the ability to get it done. And listen to this. Then he will surround you with other people who got your want to. Now, you don't have to sit and depend on any man, but you depend on God who knows how to work in every man to give them the desire and the ability to do it. Oh, come on. God will speak to people. And he'll say, say, I want you to become a partner of Keith Butler Ministries. And people say, oh, Lord, how am I going to do that? Where am I going to get the money? The Lord said, that's the mission. I got you. Come on, say amen, somebody. And see, what we do is we hear about the mission. And then we want to come up with all these ways of how we're going to get, how we're going to do this and how we're going to do that. Come on, say amen, somebody. Then we look at how somebody else is doing it. And the Holy Spirit is trying to do something awesome in you. But you keep trying to copy somebody else. Because it's easier to copy what somebody else is doing versus hearing what he's got to say. So you go, Lord, what do you want me to do? Lord, what do you want me to do? And then you do what he tells you to do. Are you with me out here? And you do it if people have problems with it. And you do it if people don't have problems with it. Why? If you believe he told you to do it, you do it. Tell your neighbor, you do it. No matter what anybody says, because why? That release in the spirit. That release in the spirit, folks, we're about to go places where we've never seen before. Zechariah 4, 6. We're almost done. Zechariah 4, 6. He says, Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord from Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my what? 
But by my what? But by my what? Spirit saith the Lord. Lift your hands before the Lord. Lift your hand before the Lord. Lift your hand before the Lord. Father, we thank you, Lord. And I declare, may the spirit of his, may the power of his Holy Spirit stand up strong in you this year. May every limit that has stopped you in the past be removed and you flow in the direction that the Holy Spirit takes you. And it shall be good. I declare all is well with you. All is well with your family. All is well with your finances. For you have not seen what the Lord has prepared for you, but he'll speak it to you. And he'll show you things that haven't even happened yet. And when you get to that place and you recognize that you did it together with the Holy Ghost, then you'll begin to know and understand that it is his will through you that will be accomplished in this year. And you won't be able to take credit for it, but together with the Holy Spirit, you'll be able to flow into places you have not seen before. And those places with great victories marked on it have great victories marked on it. Why? Because you're not a loser. The shame has been taken away. And all is well with you. Just be at peace. Just be at peace. And he will do the work. Put your hands and begin to give God praise. Come on, begin to give God glory. Come on, begin to give God honor. Come on, you need to just worship and glorify and magnify. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to your name, Lord. Oh, Father, we give you praise. Father, we give you glory. Father, we give you honor. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Holy Spirit. Spirit of the living God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. It's going to be by his spirit. Glory to God. Not by might. Nor by power. But he said, by my spirit. You've got to build your relationship with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. He's the one that gives you the power and ability to do everything God wants you to do. Amen? But you got to hear him. You got to listen for his voice. You got to declare every day a stranger's voice I will not follow. He says, my sheep hear my voice. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory. Thank you, Lord. Lift your hand before the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, I threw a lot at you tonight. <laughs> Some of you need to get the CD and listen to this over and over and over again. Because you need to get this in you. You need to get it in you. Come on. Hallelujah. How much the Holy Spirit 
is valuable in your life today, especially today. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. We give you glory, Lord.